Father, we just want to say thank you for this day and for this time that we have together. And Lord, as we just sing that song, we want to say thank you for the blood of Jesus. I know there's a lot of people who are sitting in here today and maybe some who are watching in. Well, it just kind of seems weird to talk about blood and to be thankful for it. But God is so instrumental into what we believe as followers of Jesus Christ. Lord, to remember and remind ourselves that, God, we are sinful. That that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because of that, Lord, we know that the wages of sin is death and someone had to die in order to answer for our sins. Everything that we believe, everything that we trust and put our faith in is wrapped up in the fact that that Jesus, your son, came and died on that cross and shed his blood so that we could be cleansed. And Lord, our hope, our peace, our righteousness, it all depends on the blood of Jesus. It's not because of good that we can do. It's not anything that we can accomplish. It's not because we can become better people, but God, it's because You sent your one and only son to die for us and to shed his blood. And God, we just want to say thank you for that. And I pray that every person in this room, every person watching and every person who's going to listen to the podcast later on, that God, that we would all just say thank you for the blood. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for paying the price for me personally so that we could have an opportunity to cry out to God and approach his throne boldly. And Lord, to do things like we're doing today, to just have a time of worship together as a body of believers. Lord, we can only do that because of the blood of Jesus. And we just want to say thank you today. Father, for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today, we lift them up to you. We pray that you'd be with all their situations, whether it be physical or spiritual. Lord, you know these things, you know their needs. And Lord, we ask that you would touch them today, that right now they would feel your Holy Spirit come on them as we pray for them. And God, we invite you into this place. Lord, not just to come on these grounds or to come in this building, but God, we invite you into our hearts. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move and work in us and through us. And that God, we would devote ourselves to you more and more. We love you and we thank you for this time together. And all God's people said, amen. Let's read together before you're seated. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Read this with me. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, it's great to see you guys. And we are nearing the end of the Lord's Prayer. 
And so we've talked so much about what God wants us to do, what God's calling us to do, how we should pray. And I just want to remind you as as we're kind of coming to an end that this prayer is a model. I, I mean, we memorize it, we say it a lot, but I just want to encourage you guys, when you pray, you're not just supposed to recite the Lord's Prayer. That's not supposed to be your prayer. It's okay if you do that at times. I think it's very healthy for us to do that as believers together at times. But whenever you pray personally, it is very important for you to understand that this was a model. And he says, when you pray, pray in this manner. Pray like this. Use this as a guide as you pray. And so it goes through all these things. And then today... We come to the first part of verse 13, where it talks about, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so I just want to remind you, I want to encourage you guys as believers in Jesus Christ that sometimes we get too carried away with just doing things repetitively just to say that we did it. Any of you ever just do something, you do it over and over and over again, all of a sudden you just like, you, you find yourself, you just do it and you don't even like remember doing it or know how you did it. You just did it because you're used to doing it. And we can do that with things like the Lord's Prayer. We recite it so much. We just use it as this like crutch prayer that we go to that we can say it really fast. And a lot of times it loses its meaning and significance. But when you look at the Lord's Prayer and what it's teaching us to do, it's very important to remember that it's not only telling you to address like sins that you've dealt with in the past, like forgive us of our debts, our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. It talks about the contingency that we talked about last week, forgiving others so that we can be forgiven. But it also calls us to address the possibility of future sin and to be aware and know that it's there. It's lurking. It's possible It's very easy for us to fall into as believers in Jesus Christ. And it's not like you ask Jesus into your heart. Because you ask Jesus in your heart. How many of you have sinned since you've asked Jesus into your heart? This guy. We all have because we're sinful people. And you have to remember as believers in Jesus Christ, we've talked about it, that God did not create you to be self-sufficient. He created you to be needy. You need God. Like we have to have it. And and, and the thing is, is that if we don't have God, then what we do is we find ourselves in need of other things and and we try to fill that void with other things and it's never truly filled. And that's why we we feel so empty and we feel like we're just not complete because God designed us to need him. And so when you talk about verse, the first half of verse 13, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's very important to realize, point number one, that surrender is needed for you to be led. Now, that sounds simple. A lot of today's sermons going to sound really simple. It's going to sound very elementary, but it's very crucial for us to remind ourselves of some of these things. So point number one, surrender is needed for you to be led. As followers of Christ, we have to make a decision as to who we're going to follow. And you have to be really careful in this because we, we, we talked a little bit about last week, but you know, like so many people ask Jesus into their heart and they can name the day, they can name the time, they, they can look back at this point in time where they did this. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you followed Christ since that time. 
because we, we, we follow all sorts of stuff. We follow the world, we, we do what we want to do, and, and in essence, we, we're always servant to something, whether we like to admit it or not. I talk with so many young people. I mean, it's, it's amazing at how many young people just talk about how important freedom is and how they're free, and, and, and like it's such a big deal to them But in essence, when you look at it from a spiritual perspective, when you look at it from a biblical perspective, we aren't truly free. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, as he's writing to the Christian church. And I just want to remind you that as we're reading that all the epistles in the New Testament, they're being written to Christians. You know that, right? They're not being written to non-Christians, they're being written to Christians, okay? (coughs) So, so Paul writes to the church in Rome and he's talking about what it means to be saved. He's talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, we call it the Roman road because if you just take the book of Romans, you can just use the book of Romans to lead somebody to Christ. I mean, because he explains what it means to be saved. So, so it's great passage of scripture for you to lead people to Christ. But in this, he writes in verses 16 through 18, he says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? And we love to talk about freedom, right? Because we're Americans and we're free. And, and I just want to say this really quick. I'm very thankful for our veterans. I'm very thankful for the people who's fought and died for our country. We have more freedoms than anyone else in the world. I'm very thankful for that. All right? But Paul is talking and he, he calls us to look beyond a physical worldly perspective in this. And he says you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. And as as people who who are American, and we love to talk about freedom, and slavery is such an ugly word, all right? So so let's not say slave, let's just say serving, all right? You're called to serve. You're a servant of something, whether you realize it or not. We like to focus on our freedoms. We like to talk about them a lot. But in reality, we are never truly free from anything. In America, we would never say, oh, I'm, I'm a servant of so-and-so, or I'm a servant of them, or I'm a servant of them, because we like to think of ourselves as our own masters. And we would say, oh, I, I leave myself, I do what I want, I go where I want, I buy what I want, I spend time on what I want, it's my life, I'm going to do what I want to do, and that's a very American thing. And to understand that, like, you're still a slave to the world, because the world is just offering you all these things and you just choose from the world of what you want, what's offered to you and what's available to you, but you're never really truly free. And Paul's talking about this. He's saying, look, you need to come to an understanding from a spiritual perspective that while you may not legally or, or by the world's view be a slave, that spiritually how God has created you as an individual, all of us as individuals, that we are servants or slaves to something, someone, something. And if it's not to God, 
then it's to something or maybe like we can be slaves to ourselves. And the truth is, is if we're slaves to ourselves, we'll just lead ourselves to death. We'll lead ourselves to sin because that's what we do because we sin, right? We're sinful people. And so if we're slaves to ourselves, if we obey ourselves and chase after the things that we want, we lead ourselves to death. But being a slave to Christ is the freest we will ever be because Christ doesn't lock you in and put you in chains and hold you captive Christ calls you to be his servant, to willingly be his servant, and and, and truly, you can kind of come and go as you please. And this is why we have verse 13, because you're, you're praying, you're crying out to God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, because at any given moment in time in your relationship with Christ, you can go, to you can wander astray, and you can go into sin. And there should be a desire in your life to pray and to ask God to help you stay away from those things like that. But we have to surrender and submit to God in order to truly belong to him. And if we don't, we can't truly be his. It's the only way that you can truly avoid sin is to surrender to the Lord and allow him to lead you because you can't do it. You don't have the strength you, you don't have the personal strength, the fortitude, the mental capacity to avoid sin and temptation and to stay away from it underneath your own strength and will. You just don't. I don't know one does. That's why Jesus had to come. That's why the blood had to be shed through Jesus Christ because he was the only one who could do it. But now we have a father in heaven and an advocate, Jesus, who, who pleads on our behalf so that we can have access to being led in this physical life We can be led spiritually in this physical world to stay away from sin and avoid sin and temptation. But it's got to be something that you are aware of. Because if you just wake up every day and you're not even like conscious to the fact of, I'm going out and I'm fighting spiritual battles today. If you're not aware of that, you're going to lose because you're not going to be prepared. Ephesians chapter six talks about waking up, putting on the armor of God, being ready for battle, to know that whatever it is that you're going out to do, whether you're going out and you're going out to play today or spend time with family or you're going to work or whatever it is you're going to do, you're gonna have a spiritual battle. Most of you know that on Sunday mornings when you're trying to get ready and get everybody together and just get to church on Sunday morning, that's a spiritual battle. It's like Satan comes knocking on Sunday morning probably more than any other time that we know of during the week because he wants to come in and disrupt and dismantle and try to get you before you even go where God can, where we can get a feeling from the Lord in that way. James chapter four, verses seven through eight teaches, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you resist him, he'll flee from you. He doesn't leave you alone forever But in that moment, if you resist and you stand up, you stand your ground and you you lean into the Lord and you pray for God to help you. Um, Talking with Pastor Timmy before the church and and he was just talking about, you know, some of the things that that you do, like when you're facing temptation, if you will pray, like even taking the Lord's prayer and just reciting the Lord's prayer as you're being tempted, it's amazing at how God will come to you and help you like overcome that temptation in that moment. Because when you take your focus off of the world and what sin is offering to you and you put your focus back on God, it's amazing how God redirects you and helps you through that moment. And so Satan will flee, but he always comes back. And so we always have to be ready. 
We always have to be ready to resist. Verse eight, come close to God and God will come close to you. You with me this morning? There has to be a desire and an effort on our part to draw close to God. We have to want him. We don't have the ability to resist temptation. We don't have the ability to to get forgiveness or to earn it. But whenever we draw close to God, God will draw close to us. When we desire God, God will make himself available to us. He goes on to say, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. And so remember, who are the epistles written to? Christians. And James is writing to Christians and he's saying, look, your loyalties are divided. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're struggling with sin and you know like there's some stuff I'm struggling with, I have a really hard time with, I just can't seem to overcome this, you're not alone. Like the early church 2,000 years ago was dealing with the same exact thing and this is why the epistles were being written to, to instruct the believers in Christ on how to deal with sin, overcome sin, deal with temptation, deal with animosity and anger and division inside the church. That's why we have the New Testament. So don't be surprised this morning if you're struggling with sin, if you feel like you are divided in the world, like you wanna serve God, but there's a lot of things in the world that the world has to offer that's really appealing to you. Like having a really nice job with lots of money or having a house or having a relationship or going out and doing this or going to do that. Like, don't be surprised that there's something in you that's calling to you and says, <clears throat> this, I want this thing, it doesn't seem that bad. Because there's a lot of things in the world that the world can offer you that's not necessarily sinful, but our attitude upon which we pursue them can become very sinful. Neglecting the calling that God has on our life in order to gain things of the world can be extremely sinful. But we're not called just to seek out forgiveness for sin, but we're called to offer ourselves, our loyalty, our lives as servants of Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're we're called to take a step back and to pull ourselves back from everything else in the world and then offer ourselves completely as servants of God. That's what we're called to do, whether we realize it or not. And only through Christ are we going to be able to overcome sin and temptation. You just can't do it on your own. Like None of us have the ability, and that's okay. You weren't designed to do it on your own. You were designed to lean into Christ, to call on his name, and allow him to help you overcome these sins and temptations because you can't do it. You need him to do it, and God designed it to be that way. Point number two. God cannot lead us into temptation. And this is kind of like, this is kind of tricky because when you read this verse 13 and the first half of it says, do not lead us into temptation, it's kind of a tricky play on words because the Greek word that's used right here can mean temptation or it can mean testing. And so a lot of people aren't really sure exactly how it should be translated between temptation or testing. But what we were reading earlier is that if you look at the whole aspect of what Jesus is telling you to pray, it's basically just calling us as Christians to be aware that we are sinful and that we are prone to temptation and that we need to be aware of that and asking God to help us not to be 
falling into these things. James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. You with me today? As a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to endure testing and temptation. There are going to be times of temptation that's going to come to you because you're a believer in Christ. You're going to experience it. There are going to be times of testing that comes, difficult times in your life where it's really going to test the fortitude of your relationship with God and how true you are to him. And during those times, it's going to reveal whether or not you are strong in the Lord and build confidence in your relationship with him, or it's going to reveal some weaknesses that you need to work on and call on the name of Jesus Christ and ask him to give you strength in those areas of your life. You're going to endure those things. They're coming. You with me? It's coming. You've probably already been enduring some of those things, but they're coming again, and they'll keep coming. But God blesses those who patiently endure them. We talk about it all the time, like stuff that we go through in our past, and I don't know if you can testify to this or not, but the things, the most difficult times that I've been through in my past are the times where I've grown the most spiritually. They are. Like the hardest things in my life that I've had to go through are the times that I've grown the most spiritually. Do I want to go back and do them again? Absolutely not. I'm thankful that I grew spiritually during those times. I'm thankful that God helped me, that God built confidence in my faith, and my, my confidence in him. I'm glad that that happened. I don't ever want to go back and do it again. But God blesses us as we endure those things. We got to cling to that. You remember when I, I told you this morning, some of this stuff is simple and elementary. Sometimes you just have to take a step back and remind yourself, I'm being tempted. I'm being tested. This is extremely hard. God's going to bless me in this. You need to remind yourself of that. You got to believe that. If you don't believe it, you're not going to be seeking it. If you don't believe it, you're not going to withstand it. You have to remind yourself to say, God has promised that he's going to bless me through this. I know that God can help me grow in this time. This is not pleasant. It's not enjoyable, but God can help me through this, and he will. He's promised that he'll bless me and help me. We gotta have faith in that, and we gotta cling to that. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life God has promised to those who love him. So not only are you gonna be blessed, but you will receive a reward at the end of it. Because every time we are victorious in our faith or we overcome temptation or we, we make it through testing and it proves our faith in God, it gets us one step closer to receiving the crown of righteousness that God has promised to us. And we gotta cling to that because your life is gonna be full of testing and temptation. And you need to know that it's coming. You need to cling to the fact of what God has promised us. Verse 13, <clears throat> and remember... When you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. And verse 14 is so vital in how we understand the process upon which we endure our spiritual struggles. But it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Every one of us in this room, every one of us who's watching online, everyone who's going to listen to the podcast later, we are all tempted in some way, shape, or form. And for Jamie, it's very different from him than it is 
for Eli, than it is for Brandon, than it is for Wes. We all face temptations. They look very differently for each of us. And it's so important to understand that that as believers in Jesus Christ, that you are going to be tempted. But it's not like God is just sitting around like, oh, how can I make your life miserable today? But to, to know that when you're being tempted, it comes from your own desires within. And they entice you and it drags you away. And I want you to understand the wording in that and the, just the whole context of that is that realizing that whenever you give in to those things that entice you, that appeal to you, it drags you away. You become captive to them. Now, I want you to think about your relationship with God. How many times has God ever handcuffed you and made you do anything? How many times has God ever forced you to follow him? How many times has God ever put you in a situation where you were tempted and wanted you to do something and said, absolutely not, you may not look there, you look here. Because in God, there's true freedom. At any given time, like God does not hold you in bondage to himself, God lovingly calls us to be his servants, he lovingly calls us to be his slaves, but at any given time, we can turn away and look in any direction, go in any direction, sin in any way that we want to. But whenever we give in to sin, that's the point in time where we are enticed and we're drug away and we get held in bondage because sin and the things of the world are what truly enslaves us. And it holds us captive. And you know this because every time you're faced with temptation and you're, you're mindful in that moment of, man, I really want to do this, but I know it's wrong. I would, really, and I would really like to experience this, but I know that God has called me not to. And which one is the harder one to do? Because the most, the most enslaving, the most thing that holds us captive and puts us in bondage is the one that we really want to do. That's why it drags us away. It keeps us from being able to serve the Lord the way he's called us to. And in verse 15... James goes on to say, these desires give birth to sinful actions and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Who is this being written to? Christians. So as a Christian, it's very important for you to understand that in your life, you have desires. There are things, there are things in your life that just that call your name that you're tempted by and you can't understand and some of the things you wish you could change and in a moment of, of clarity and, and where you're spiritually with the Lord where you need to be and you wish that, God, I wish that I could never have to be tempted by this again. I wish that I could be delivered from this to know and understand that it's wrong in that moment but there will come a time again where it will call your name once again. And it's going to draw you to it. It's going to try to entice you. But it's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to have desires. It's not a sin to, to be in that situation where you know there are things that appeal to you for whatever reason. That is not a sin. The sin comes whenever we give into those desires. 
when we allow them to come into our life, when we allow ourselves to be taken away and drug away, because that desire gives birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Because there's a process. Because when you follow Christ, there's freedom in Christ. And you can feel it because you know at any given moment in time, like the temptation comes, it's always harder to serve the Lord than it is to avoid sin and to stay out of the world. It's so much harder. And that's how you know that there's true freedom in God because at any given time you know that like, it's so much easier to just choose the other stuff. It's hard to choose God. It is always the harder decision. It's always hard to resist temptation. It's always hard to do what's right. Anytime you're ever wondering what the right thing is, pick the hardest thing to do. It's usually the right thing. It's usually what God wants us to do. And that's, why, that's how you know there's freedom in God. Because for him, it's, it's always harder to choose that. But when you look at your relationship with God, if you trust in him as your leader, you don't have to worry about being led into sin. Because he can't tempt you. And he loves you and he wants to lead you away from that. He wants to get, and we talked about this, he's already given us everything we need for spiritual success. Temptation comes from our own desires. But if you surrender to Christ and allow him to take the lead, he's going to lead you along paths of righteousness, bringing honor to his namesake. God wants to lead you, but we have to surrender and allow him to lead us. But the moment we choose that I'm going to lead my own life, you will always lead yourself to death because we are sinful people. And we're going to choose our desires, things of the world, things that we can see, things that are tangible. It's a matter of surrender. And until you completely surrender to Christ, you can't truly be led by Christ. And you'll always waver and struggle both in your faith and in your testimony. You're sitting here today and you're just like, man, I just, my relationship with God is not very strong. I just don't feel comfortable witnessing to people or even telling them about Christ. I just feel hypocritical. You got to surrender. You got to get to the point where you say, God, I I can't do this on my own. I I need you to help me to give it all to you and to begin praying that prayer and allowing God to come and start working on you to get to that point. And whatever you deal with today and whatever you surrender today, guess what? There'll be something else you have to surrender tomorrow. It's a working progress through your life. And God will always be working on us. And point number three, God can deliver us if we allow him to. This is super important. I don't know why, but for some reason, like we, we as a staff, we, we just keep coming back to this whole parallel between you know things and the people of Israel being led out of Egypt and it's really amazing to to look at the people of Israel you know God brought them out of Egypt but they weren't really delivered from Egypt for a while it took a little while for them to be truly delivered from Egypt like you you look at the people of Israel and you read that story God rescued them Like the the Passover came, like the death of the firstborn. God did all these miraculous things. The 10 plagues brought them out of Egypt. Egypt gave them all their gold, all their like wealth, basically just gave it to them, paid them to leave. 
They were excited. They get to the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. God does all this amazing stuff. And then they get out in the wilderness of Sinai and they start walking around and their hearts and attitudes change drastically after just a short while. And what do they keep crying for? Why did you lead us out here? Why did you bring us out of here? Why did you lead us into the desert for us to starve and for us to thirst to death? And if you follow the story, it's crazy because every time they start complaining, God provides water, God provides manna, God provides quail. He provides all their needs. He leads them around. They eventually wander in the desert for 40 years and the entire time, none of their clothing, none of their shoes, nothing wears out. God sustains them during this 40-year wilderness track that they have to endure. But they were not delivered out of Egypt. They might have been brought out of Egypt, but they were not delivered out of Egypt. It took 40 years for God to cleanse an entire generation of people who always wanted to go back to Egypt to truly deliver the people of Israel and get them ready to go into the promised land. And what's sad is, is that we as Christians, most of us, got brought out of sin. Like we had this salvation experience where we asked Jesus to come into our heart and forgive us of our sins. And we have this great experience. And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like a week later, month later, maybe a year later, all of a sudden, our relationship with the Lord kind of loses its excitement and luster. And all of a sudden, things of the world and sin starts looking really good again. And even though we were brought out of sin and brought into a relationship with God, we weren't truly delivered from sin, and so we're looking back at things of the world, wanting to go back, and a lot of people go back. We do that a lot more than what we like to admit. But you need to understand that God can deliver you. You have to cling to that. You're sitting here this morning, and if you don't believe that God can deliver you from sin, guess what? You're never gonna be delivered. You're always gonna struggle with it. But if you believe that God can deliver you from sin, if you cling to that and have faith in that and trust in him to do it, you can be because he's promised that he can do that. He wants you to be righteous. He wants you to be holy. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 54 through 58, Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And he talks about then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us victory. We're promised victory, and we have to cling to that. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. We have to have it in our hearts and in our minds that we're going to lean into God and allow him to give us our strength and not be so quick to fold and give in to things that are appealing and enticing us. And he says, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. There's, there's, a, there's a transition that has to take place from us committing ourselves to serving God and allowing him to lead us. And so we serve the Lord. And remember that nothing we ever do for the Lord is useless because there's a lot of times we don't see fruit from the very beginning. We don't see fruit for some times, a lot of times. But nothing that we ever do is useless. And we have to cling to that. 
And we have to remember that God has given us victory over these things, but it only comes through Christ. You can't have victory if you don't have Christ. You can't do it. You can't overcome your sin. You can't overcome temptation if you do not have Christ and if you're not allowing him to lead your life. And the most difficult thing is, is that you're always going to be dealing with this. I mean, stuff that I was dealing with as a teenager, temptations and struggles and testings and difficult times in life is nothing like what it was when I was a young adult. And what I was dealing with as a young adult is nothing like what I was dealing with now that I'm older. And I can look back at things in my life and temptations that I was facing back then And I'm so thankful that God has given me victory in some of those things in my life. But guess what happens whenever I have victory of things in the past? Satan's waiting around the corner to offer you something else. And when you overcome one sin, one temptation, one thing that tries to entice you and drag you away, there's going to be something else come up. And you say, James, if it's just going to be this never-ending battle, then what is the point? What's the point of just trying to fight and struggle for the rest of my life? The point is, is that God is trying to prepare us and, and, and make us holy and cleanse us and lead us into his righteousness and into his presence. And we have to understand and remember and pray constantly that God would be with us that God would help us, that God would, would lead us away from these things and deliver us from the evil because we need to be delivered. We need his help. And as soon as you overcome one thing, there'll be something else and then there'll be something else and there'll be something else. And, and you say, well, what's the point? The point is, is to be with God. You wanna be with God? You wanna have eternal life? That's what it costs. Jesus said to count the cost. You want to be with God? You got to give up the world. It's going to cost the world. It may not be every single thing. It may not be every little dream that you had. It may not be every relationship that you have. But there's a lot of things that God's going to call you to give up to make room for him. And as long as you're serving yourself, as long as you're serving the world, as long as you're chasing after that, you cannot have spiritual victory in your life. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be angry. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel like you're never going to be able to approach God and really have a good relationship with him. And you're never going to be able to tell somebody else about Christ because you're going to feel so hypocritical every time you do it that your testimony will have no power whatsoever. But if you surrender yourself to the Lord like you've been called to and you trust in him, you believe in him and cling to the fact that he's given you victory, then you can do all the things that God wants you to do. You're spending your life like chasing after temptation, allowing yourself to be dragged away and enticed by your sinful nature. You don't have time for the Lord. But if you give up those things, it's amazing what it makes time for, how you can serve God in other ways. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. How have they defeated him? The blood of the lamb and their testimony. How can you defeat Satan? How can you defeat evil? How can you overcome sin? Through the blood of the lamb and through testimony. You ha- That's what it's about. And you look at what it said. It says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. 
Satan in this world is not going to be overcome by your power, your abilities, your ideas, your intellect, your strategies. There's nothing that you can do to overcome. He is far superior than you or I. You cannot do it. You need God. You need Jesus Christ to help you overcome him. 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5 says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. You are called to be victorious. You are called to overcome. We said it a couple weeks ago. God has given you everything you need to have spiritual victory in your life. He's provided it for you. But you have to believe it. You have to claim that and cling to it. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And guys, this morning, you cannot just say, I believe. Truly believing is more than just saying, I believe. Because it literally, as Jesus said, count the cost, pick up your cross, follow me. You have to be willing to die to the world in order to be my disciple and follow me and spend eternity with God. Count the cost. Because it's going to cost you something. you got to be willing to give up in order to get what it is that you truly want, what your heart cries out for. Because while the world and the sin and the things that it offers you is appealing, and we, we do like it, and sin is enjoyable for a season, there's something deeper within you that cries out for God, that cries out for eternal life, that cries out for a relationship with him, and you can't explain it, and you know that it's true freedom because it's the hardest thing in the world to follow and try to get. But you have to believe. And you can't just say you believe. You have to live like you believe. You have to live according to God's word because it is hard to live according to God's word. It's hard to forsake things of the world. And you look at Revelation chapter 12. We just read it a second ago. But you look at the second part of that verse in verse 11. It says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. You want a good indication of where you are in your relationship with God this morning? You ready to take a test? Would you be willing to die for him right now? Oh, James, man. You, dude, that's just, all right, you're, taking, you're being a little too spiritual. You're taking a little too serious. No, like you really sit down and you read the Bible and you look at everybody who followed the Lord, Old Testament and New Testament, and you look at most of the people who were writing these books, most of them died for God. And I'm not saying that God has called you to die like you're literally going to have to give up your life. But a good test is really just kind of figure out where you are in your relationship with God this morning is just answering the question. Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't answer. You just evaluate this between you and the Lord right now in your mind and in your heart. Would you die for him right now? Because that's what it comes down to. Because if you're willing to die for him physically, then you'll probably give up everything else in the world because like, there's nothing more that you can give besides your physical life. And if you're sitting here today and you're just like, I, I see some really young people in here today. They got a lot more to lose than some of us old people. Yeah, I feel like I'm at the halfway point. It's kind of like the coin toss for me. 50-50 at this point. But some of these younger people, man, they got a lot to lose. They got their whole lives ahead of them. A lot of things in life they've never got to experience that some of you have got to experience. And some of you know the things that you got to experience you thought were going to be great ain't as great as what you thought they were. And so it's a lot more easy for you to make that decision than some of the younger people. But if you're sitting here this morning, you say, nope, definitely not, man. I would not give up my life right now for God. 
that's okay. Thank you for being honest. But be honest with yourself and be honest with the Lord. And, and the truth is, is if you're not there yet, that's okay, but you got some growing to do. And you need to realize and admit in your life, you got some growing to do. God has to do some work in your can, can we be honest with each other? It's not normal for somebody to be like, yeah, I'm ready to die right now. That's not normal. Like God has to, you're either crazy or God has to do some really like major work in your life for you to be at that point. And then for most people of the world would still think that you were crazy if God did do the work in your life for you to be there. You with me? That doesn't sound normal. And so it's okay if you're not at that point, but you need to understand that is something that Christ calls us to do, to be ready to do if the occasion ever arises, that we need to be ready to do that. So we got some growing to do. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're saying, well, like, I don't know, maybe. I might would, but I don't know. It's, I'm not sure. And that's okay. You, you got some growing to do. And the point is, is just acknowledge it and pray and seek the Lord and grow in your faith and hopefully get there. And if you're sitting here this morning, you're like, yes, absolutely. I 100% would die right now in the name of Jesus. I'm ready. Let's do this. And you're that confident right now. Guess what? You probably still got some growing to do. Because on Wednesday nights, we've been doing studying the gospel of Matthew and we were at the last uh, leg of it. And we're talking about, you know, we're at the last supper and Jesus talks to his disciples and he tells them, he's like this very night, you're all going to desert me. And Peter, you're going to deny me three times. They're all like, no way. We would never would do that. We swear. They swore oaths that they would never desert him. Peter swore that he would never deny him. And he denied him three times. And all the disciples, guess what they did? They ran away. And in that moment at that dinner, they swore oaths that they would never do what Jesus told them they were going to do. And guess what they did? They did it anyway. You know why? Because when they were in the garden and they were supposed to be praying and supposed to be preparing themselves for it, guess what they were doing? They were sleeping. They were falling down on the job. And Jesus said, keep watch, pray, Keep watching, pray with me so that you don't fall into temptation because it's coming. And he was telling them, it's coming, you need to be ready. And he come back two more times and he said, keep watching, pray, it's coming. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden the time comes and it's too late. And you're sitting here this morning, you need to understand the time of testing, the time of temptation, it's coming. You need to be keeping watch, you need to be praying, you need to be preparing yourself for that because it's coming. And if you don't keep watching, if you don't pray, we'll be just like those disciples. <clears throat> and when the time comes, we will fail because we had failed to prepare. And as believers in Jesus Christ, our greatest calling is to keep watch and to pray so that sin doesn't lead you astray. So that temptation does not lead you astray. God has given you everything you need to have spiritual victory if you seek him, if you pursue him for that. Let's pray together. Father, I just want to say thank you for this day and this time. God, I pray that you'd be with these people. Lord, you'd be with all of us. Help us to rely on you. Lord, to trust in you. Lord, to surrender ourselves to you. And even the simple question of would we be willing to lay down our lives and die for you? Lord, that's so hard. It's 
so difficult to even say that and, and to be confident in our answer and what we would or wouldn't do. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be prepared, to seek your face, to call on your name, and Lord, to ask you to, to Lord, to cleanse us and bring us to righteousness. Help us to bring glory and honor to you. And Lord, when the time of testing and temptation comes, Lord, I pray that we would all be prepared, that we would all experience victory, and we would all give you the glory and honor for it because we know that it came from you and nothing else. Jesus, we love you and we thank you so much for this time. We ask it in your name. Amen. Thank you. You're dismissed.